Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 216. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing there, Kevin? I'm doing good, okay. This week on the show, we'll be talking about the Dances with Films Festival that's taking place right now in Los Angeles. And we're going to be reviewing three films that are premiering at that festival. Uh, we'll be talking about Dinner with the Alchemist, Shortwave, and Lilith's Awakening. We'll also be talking about some other stuff we've been watching on the watch list, movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases. First, I feel like I should mention the the shooting that happened in Orlando last night. Now, Have the, you heard about this? Yeah. Well, oh my shoot, god. It's the second shooting in Orlando. It's insane. It's, it's the second shooting in Orlando. And I just read this is the 174th this year. This is the seventh since Monday. This is the largest mass sh- mass shooting in U.S. history. So as of now, when we're recording this, 50 people have been killed and 53 people are injured. That's ridiculous. Absolutely tragic. Uh, a-, a friend of mine, close friend of mine, is a DJ in Orlando, and he actually knows the DJ that was there last night. Uh, fortunately, he got out safely, but... It's just, it's so awful. Just so awful. Well, because of fucking assault rifles. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. we need assault rifles for it. It's, you know, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about what I wanted to say, and if I wanted to even say anything. And it, it's, you know, it's easy to, to immediately get political in situations like this. And then I was, like, thinking, you know, you know, I just wanted to mention how horrible it is for, you know, the victims and their families. But then I was like, you know, I feel like we have to mention that, this, it's kind. Of, it's this tough. gun violence has to stop, man. Well, it's just. I mean, assault rifles. What? Why do we need these? Like, why are people able to get these? I just, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And like, and I, I forget where I saw it. At some point out on Twitter, I think it's, it's easier to get an assault rifle for people than for some people to use a goddamn bathroom nowadays. Yeah. So, I don't. I don't get it. Absolutely terrible. Our thoughts are with all of the families affected by this, and it's just, ugh, just so, so, so awful. And for it to be when you say Orlando shooting, and then you got to point out which one because there's been two. Yeah, within, the like the two, other one was days. yeah, it was uh, that um, singer, right? She yeah, was, she was from, on The Voice, and yeah, like, guy just walks up and shoots her. What? What? Is, I just don't understand what's happening. Yeah, I'm so confused. It's awful, just awful. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about some some things that are far less significant, and that's some movie news. Uh, this so we we were off last two weeks, and I apologize for not having a show last week, but we just couldn't put one together in time. Uh, so I'm going to cover a couple things that uh, th- this was these were news news items that broke the last couple weeks. The first big one being that that everybody was talking about Rogue One. Doing going through some extensive reshoots. Oh boy, extensive reshoots on this Star Wars movie. Apparently, it's screened for for some executives, and they weren't quite feeling the tone. I guess it was a little bit too too dark for their taste. They wanted to 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 lighten it up a bit, make it a little bit more fun. So they did some reshoots, and I feel like the internet just exploded over this. Like they just freaked out. Like, oh my god, the movie's gonna be shit. It's gonna be shit. This movie is shit. Because they had to go through reshoots. I, I, ha- I, I think that people don't understand that reshoots are 
an insanely common thing that happened in movies all the time. And I think yeah. that maybe just because this movie is so high profile that they're kind of more focused on that. But yeah. reshoots are a common thing. Well, plus, and, the, I mean, I, I mean, this is the thing that always gets me about this, this type of stuff is, number one, you didn't see the first movie. You know, the one that they tested and right. they thought was too dark. And second, you haven't seen any of the reshoot footage. Exactly. We, we, all the, all the, like, the movie comes out. Literally all that we've seen of this movie is that very short trailer that they released. So yeah. let's, let's hold off on our judgment until we actually see this movie. And you know what? Like, You're still going to go see it, so who cares? Exactly. And, and at this... At this point, I actually have a significant amount of faith in Disney doing this this property justice. And, you know, if what Gareth Edwards was working on with the movie was too dark for the Star Wars universe, then, you know, I, I have to kind of say, you know what, maybe it was. Maybe it was too dark. Yeah, because I don't, I don't want my Star Wars to be too dark. Yeah, I don't, I don't want it to, to get all Zack Snyder DC on this no, we did. That's the last thing. That's the last thing we, <laughs> we need. don't need. That <laughs> we got plenty of that shit going on with all the other damn films. So, at any rate, I still have faith in the movie. I'm sure that it'll be, it'll make a billion dollars, and it'll be critically acclaimed, and all of that stuff. I, I, I think that it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Um, this this is a rumor, but it seems like it's been fairly substantiated, and that's that Christopher Nolan will crash a $5 million World War II plane for his next movie, Dunkirk. What? So the, the rumor <laughs> is that Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers purchased a $5 million World War II plane okay. for Christopher Nolan and, and his next movie, Dunkirk. And he mm-hmm. plans on crashing it. Okay. So. <laughs> All right, let's do it. So that's... That's uh, apparently going to happen. I think if anybody, if you know, if that story came out and it was any other director, I'd be, I'd be like, eh, I don't know about that. I'm like, why wouldn't they just use CG and not I, buy I, a plane I, for five million dollars? If you're going to spend five million dollars, let me let me offer you a suggestion. Instead of spending five million dollars, why not spend a little bit less and just like build a replica? I know, right? Well, that's not how Christopher Nolan rolls. <laughs> He wants off authenticity. Jesus. So I don't know if, if that's that, true if or that not. News but... Never came out. No, no one would have noticed. That's the thing. No like, been like, damn, that was a real fucking plane. I probably would have just assumed that it, the the whole thing was CG exactly. at this point. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. The first teaser trailer for that movie is going to be playing before Suicide Squad. Wow, so. another World War Two movie. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> mm. God. Yeah, so, We'll see about that. Uh, this is a quick one. Riley Stern's next feature is going to be called The Art of Self-Defense, and it's going to yeah. star Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and it's going to be about the world of karate. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't know if it's going to be a comedy or not, but just reading about it, I get kind of a, a foot-fist-way vibe. She going to be doing the karate? She's the lead. That's awesome. So I would presume that she's going to be doing the karate. Didn't know that she's actually married to Riley Stearns. Yeah. Not, just, maybe I did know that and just... It you probably did. Left my it brain. Was, it was one of those things that you probably just read and you're like, huh. Yeah. And then, it <laughs> and then moved on. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't stick at all. 
Either way, I'm pretty excited for that. I was a big fan of Faults, as I know you were. But so. I just, I, you know, karate, the art of self-defense. Yeah. She's playing the lead. So I just hope it's the her kicking the shit out of a bunch of people. That'd be awesome. Like, come trying to cost her on the streets. She just fucks them up. That'd be cool. Yeah. I'm into that. I'm, I'm into that, too. Mel Gibson is going to be directing Passion of the Christ 2. It's happening. Awesome. That's a real thing? It's a real thing. So the, the screenwriter is working on the script. They had the same screenwriter from, for the, from the original one. This is also the guy who wrote uh, God's Not Dead, I believe. I think oh, that geez. was the one. Same guy. Oh. But uh, yeah, this one's going to focus on the resurrection. So okay. Passion of the Christ 2. Oh, I hope it's called Passion of the Christ 2 and not like Passion of the Christ subtitle something. It's going to be Passion of the Christ 2, the resurrection. Yeah, as long as they leave the number in, I'll be happy because it just adds this this cheese to it that I'm mm-hmm. that I'm just into. Uh, recent trailers, a couple trailers to note here. First one being Kicks. This was a film that I was a big fan of at Tribeca. Uh, really good trailer. I don't know if you got a chance to check this this trailer out. Why are you saying that? I'm not saying it because <laughs> I was quoted in it. It's a good trailer, regardless. Take my quote out. It's a good trailer. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome that my quote's in there, but it's still a really good trailer. Um, I'm excited for people to see this movie because I think that I think that it's going to do do very well. Uh, it's I said it before. It's like dope, but better in almost every regard. Yeah, that's good. It's more serious than dope. It's it's not that? just an all out comedy, but it is very funny. Okay. Uh, the Greasy Strangler gets a, got a teaser trailer. I've been I've been keeping my eye on this one. I think that this premiered at Fantastic Fest last year, and I've been kind of keeping my eye on it ever since because it just looks so outrageous and disgusting and horrific. But I'm I'm intrigued. It looks like it could be very funny. It, it almost looks like a, a Tim and Eric style uh, like horror movie. Yeah, essentially. I just like that the one guy's name is Michael St. Michael's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the teaser is very not safe for work, so just yeah, be forewarned if you give it a watch. It's very gross. With the title, The Greasy Strangler. The Greasy Strangler. It just sounds so gross. It does. The Greasy Strangler. Uh, Cosmos. Have you have you uh, read about uh, this? Learned about it? Oh, this is a trailer for Cosmos? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, once you see the trailer for this, oh it will God. be... It'll be your most anticipated movie of the year. Oh my god, I'm so excited. So this is the new one from uh, Andres Zlowski. Uh Man, it's yeah. been, what, 14 years since his last movie or something like that? And uh, this movie looks completely absurd. It looks very bizarre. It looks funny. It, it looks... I definitely got a, uh, a, a Lanthimos vibe to this movie. At least from the trailer. Okay. It looks really out there, and I'm I'm very excited, very excited for this one. And the only other one I'll mention is uh, it's not a it's not a movie, but it's a, a new the new Netflix series Stranger Things. Uh, trailer for that came out. Very excited for this one. I didn't really know anything about this. I read some little little pieces here and there about it. It's the one with Winona Ryder. Okay. And uh, after seeing the trailer, I am all in on this show. It looks. Really good. It looks um very Amblin esque. Okay. 
And uh, that, that instantly has me intrigued. And that, that's going to be out in, in uh, July, July 15th, I want to say. So I'll certainly be binge-watching that one, no doubt. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into our first movie. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Dances with Films happening right now in Los Angeles. We've covered Dances with Films probably, this, I think this is our third year covering this festival. It's an indie film festival, happens every year in L.A. Um, we, we usually watch tons of movies from this, this festival. Um, yeah. And which one do you want to start with? Oh, man, I get to pick. It's, oh, it's your pick, Kevin's pick. I'm a, let's go with Lilith's Awakening. Lilith's Awakening. Because that was right. the first one I watched. It was the second one I watched. Ooh. Sort of. Sort of. I watched about five minutes of one before having to turn it off, and then I rewatched it again and forced myself. It was a forced watch. Is that, so, was it this one? No, no, it wasn't. I, okay. I, made, I made it through this one in one go. This is directed, written and directed by Monica Dems. Uh, one, of the, one of the big things about this is that she was, uh, a, I guess, a, a, taught, a student of David Lynch. Yeah, I guess she took some sort of... David Lynch was her mentor. Class or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that's all about. I don't know, but I, they're, I think they're going to ride on that. I, I, well, they, yeah. Certainly, certainly in the emails that I've been getting about it, they are riding on it pretty hard. Uh, okay. Synopsis. A sexually repressed woman embraces her dark side, experiencing her wildest fantasy. I'll start it off. Start it. Uh, I did not like this movie. Okay. We Shot. Done? So <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's <laughs> It's in it's in black and white, but it's that digital black and white that I that I do not like, where it looks like it was shot in color, but then they you know uh, added a black and white filter onto it. Yeah, I mean, and I just I feel like if you're gonna shoot on black and white or or have your film be black and white, you gotta do film. You have to shoot it on film because that's where the grain pops. You know, when when you're shooting on film and it's in black and white the film grain really pops and that's what completely that that's what really enhances it plus or you at least got to have your your lighting game and that's that was my next point plus with film the one of the big differences between film and digital is black and how even with really really good digital cameras the blacks are never quite as black as on film and it's really prominent and and prevalent when you're shooting it, when you have a black and white f- movie that's shot on digital, the blacks are never quite as deep as on film. And I think that that's uh, an important aspect as well. One reason that if you're doing black and white, you got to go film. That being said, uh, this was not a very pretty movie, at least to me. I think that there were some shots that looked good, that were like well framed and had decent lighting. However, None of the lighting felt natural. It was always very, uh, very uh, theatrical lighting, if that makes sense. Like, it looked very staged. Yeah. Um, one shot stands out to me, and it was the one with the, uh, the swing, the porch swing in the mm-hmm. yard. Like, that was a good-looking shot. It was well-framed. It was very symmetrical. But it felt just very staged and almost extraneous. It didn't didn't really add much to the style look of the film, but uh, as a whole, I was just not very into this. It it started off feeling very much like a girl who walks home alone at night, 
had that kind of vibe to it where you have this uh it's a vampire movie by the way didn't yeah doesn't it doesn't say that in the synopsis but it's very it, it i don't think it's like a giant spoiler to say it's a vampire movie uh it starts off very much like a girl walks home alone at night um with this kind of wandering female vampire she's got a guitar for some reason and she's just kind of poking walking. around town just walking just walking she kind of sets her sights on this on this uh this woman Lilith she's uh got a shitty job working for her dad she's in a marriage that is clearly on the rocks she's not happy in her marriage she's cheating on her husband with this uh I would call him at least semi abusive guy yeah i mean it's... and the movie starts off with her kind of meeting this guy in secret in her car and in what I believe to be the longest makeout scene ever in any film, it never ends, and it's so close up, and you get you get the sounds, the mouth sounds, and yeah, yeah. and I was just like, that. come on, just it's end just, it, end it. Was, it. it was end just this such scene. a weird execution of that scene altogether. The way he pops up in the car, uh, yeah, and like, real he, slow, and it's like, real near, real close to her, but she, somehow she doesn't detect that he's there. Well, then she freaks out, and you're thinking, oh, shit, he's, like, assaulting her. Yeah. And then it's just, like, snap of the finger, it just changes. And you're like, what What the fuck is the relationship? What the hell is going on in this movie? Because this movie does nothing for, like, 45 minutes. Let's be honest. Yeah. It, just, it doesn't do anything. And even worse than that, like, fine, you don't introduce any, like, horror elements or anything along those lines, anything exciting, per se. But it doesn't even attempt to get... Well, I guess it does attempt, but it just fails miserably to try and set up any sort of like atmosphere. It's just it's just scenes dragging on, yeah, for no reason. And the only thing that they really attempt in try, I guess, in trying to get an atmosphere or you know maybe to get some tension is they'll do that thing where they'll swell mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. to like a breaking point, and you think, oh shit, something's gonna happen, and then it just cuts to the next scene of nothing happening at all. Yeah. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, okay, still not going to do anything. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, I don't know. the The only scene that I thought maybe worked a little bit with the atmosphere was the scene in the forest where you could hear that kind of wailing in the background. Yeah, but that, by that, that scene, by that point, uh, the whole just... like, do you trust me? And and then that's another point that I'll bring up is dialogue in this movie. It's terrible. It is painfully bad performances and. Here's the thing. I don't I don't get on performances a lot. If you go back and listen to other episodes, I unless, unless it's kids. Unless it's kids. <laughs> unless it's children. I'm very <laughs> lenient when it comes to acting and and performances in film. I I feel like when you when you target acting, it's many oftentimes it's a low blow and and that it's something that you can easily look past. I can easily look past it at least. As long as the story's good, and the visuals are, are well done. I can get past and I shaky think what, acting. What makes it difficult, because you're definitely a little more lenient than I am, but the thing that gets me, it makes it difficult for me to look past something, is when you have that combo of bad acting and then bad dialogue. Yeah. Like, it's that's, okay that's, if the dialogue's good and they're just having trouble with it. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay. You can look. It makes it easier to look past it. But when the dialogue's bad, and then you have the the bad line delivery of that bad dialogue, it just ooh, 
boy, does it stick out. It's a one-two punch. That's what that <laughs> oh. is. And it, like, <laughs> there's that scene where her dad just out of nowhere is like, just all of a sudden, new scene. He's on the phone talking to her husband, and he's like, "You gotta give her a baby tonight." <laughs> and you're just like, "What the <laughs> fuck is happening in this movie? Like, none of this makes sense to me." Uh, I love the classic "Cat got your tongue." That line. As yeah. soon as I heard that, I go, "Oh well." Yeah, we're in any any script that uses someone in earnest saying "Cat got your tongue." It's not good. That is not good. That's not yeah. a good sign. There was also there was also something that happened uh, earlier on in the movie that it irked me, and I know that this is a, a stupid nitpick, but there's a scene where she's trying to call, I think she's trying to call her boyfriend, not her husband, but the guy she's been cheating on him with, and the it's the when it's ringing, when the phone is ringing, that's not how that's not the sound of a phone ringing. It's they use like a <laughs> dial really, tone. They use a dial tone that. sound. So instead of like, you know, when you call somebody, it rings on and you hear the phone going, boop, you know, yeah, the the sound that they used was actually a dial tone sound. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait, is, is that, is she calling him? Is that ringing? Or is it like something weird going on with the phone? And it was just, I don't know. It just kind of bothered me. Is it all in her head? There was another stupid thing that I didn't like about this movie. And the fact that the, the, Place, so she works for her dad as a mechanic. She, I guess she's sort of like the uh, the uh, desk the desk person. She works the counter. Yeah. And they're, the place that they work is called Helsing Service Center. Yeah. I, I felt like that was such a heavy-handed yes. uh, thing to call yes. it Helsing. Plus the, the sign that they keep showing. And it's the worst sign it's ever. Just, it's a lazy sign. Like it's just... It, it just—it looks like they typed it out in aerial yeah. italic. It, it looks—it looks like they used a, a a dot matrix printer with one of those like banner, one of those banner makers, you know, the sheets that used to be the long sheets, mm. and just printed it out and pasted it over top of the real sign that's there. Yeah, that is just there's a lot of rough stuff going on in here, and you know, like I said, the beginning takes it takes so long for anything to be introduced, really. That's you know, noteworthy or of merit, you know, what the actual narrative is of this film. And like, and, and up until that point, like I said, they just drag out. Like there's the scene where the woman's like, can you break a hundred? Yeah. And that scene just plays out like in real time of her, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not sure. And then she goes, she like shuffles into the garage. It's like, she wants to break this hundred. No, we can't do that. And it's just like, keeps going. It's like, what does this have to do yeah. with anything? Yeah, it literally has nothing to do with anything, and it just it plays out. Like, is this, a, that is this a horror movie, or is it a movie about an older lady trying to break a hundred? <laughs> like, what? It, it's it's all about the 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 nuanced uh the nuanced role of service center counter management yeah it's like is that the subtext here of how difficult it is and what it says about our economy like what what is happening because your synopsis says a sexually oppressed woman well number one i've never gotten never once did i get the impression that she was sexually repressed no like no. there's no sex Abs- in the movie whatsoever. absolutely not absolutely not so she embraces her dark side i didn't see her embrace anything really and experience her no. wild. I don't know what her wildest fantasy is. I don't know what she's doing. I don't know what she's experiencing, what she's embracing. 
I don't know what dark side she, we're she, talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand this either. This is a mild spoiler. She gets bit by a vampire and turns into a vampire. It's not like she embraces, like she's fighting it off and then finally is like, all right, here we go. I give in. I mean, unless unless the whole vampire thing was all metaphor and it was none of it was real or something like that. But Which I think it probably was. It's just, it's very muddy. I, yeah, the, the thing here, is, I don't, I don't, I don't I think don't, that that was portrayed in... I don't, and I think it's muddy and, amp, and there's like an ambiguity there, but I don't think that that was created through like, uh, like execution, like, you know, they set out to do that. I think that it was just so poorly put together that that's why it's there. It's because I don't know if they even realize what this movie is about, because I, for one, can't. I mean, like, I have an idea of what it's about, but... I don't know if I would waste 85 minutes on telling that story. Yeah, because there's just there's nothing there. I, I don't feel like there is an interesting story here. No, there's nothing. There's nothing here, which is really, it, it's, it's tough to pile on a movie like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel bad, but at the same time, I got to be honest. There's nothing here. Yeah. There's nothing here of note. There's not, I can't really point to any positives in this film. Same here unfortunately and again i feel bad too i feel i feel i always feel bad when we review or when i write reviews for you know small indie movies low budget you know first time directors things like that and i always feel bad about being harsh with them and being overly critical of them but i'm sorry but i feel like you know helsing service center you you don't have to do that just name it whatever you know yeah, because isn't there a it's sign just, then yeah. later when she's, like, driving off and the sign's completely different? Doesn't it say, like, Sinclair's or something like that? Yeah, I think, yeah, it does. But I, I don't know if that was, like... Yeah, I don't. that's what I was thinking. I was like, I don't know else. if that's, like, a different sign, like a product sign. Yeah, I think like that might have... Like, Valvoline or something. Yeah, but... I think that that's what that was. I think that right. was, like, so, a... like... Did they maybe just not have enough money or they forgot to, to cover that sign up? Because they clearly covered up the other sign. Yeah. With what, like you said, is... A banner printed out that says Helsing Hel- Service Center in Aerial Italics. <laughs> I think it was like a like a ninety eight point font. Yeah, it's just oh, it's rough. Oh, it's so rough. And he just it and that combo of taking so long to actually introduce anything that even by the time that you introduce something, even if it was you know semi coherent, um, had tension, atmosphere, or something in there. I, I probably would have been clocked out by that point in time. That I would have been like, oh, a little late. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This one lost me. This one lost me hard. Uh, I just want to know if she ever got to ever got changed for that hundred. I, I don't know. These, these, are, these are questions that just beg to be answered. I don't know. One, there's one scene. Uh, this was probably my favorite shot in the whole movie. However, it was ruined almost right after it occurred. And that's when... The, the mysterious vampire woman killed the uh, boyfriend guy. Yeah. Um, so they're in, they're in his car. He picks her up. I think it was him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he picks her up, and he says something absolutely ridiculous and really rapey. Oh, yeah. Oh, and she, kill, she kills him, and when the way that it's shot, it's, uh, the camera's fixed outside the window, and his face just smashes up against the window and there's like blood coming out of his mouth and the 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 fog that comes from his breath on the window i thought that that looked really good 
But then they they completely fucked it up by like transposing her face like yeah. behind the fog. <laughs> it just that looked really bad. They do that a lot in this movie. I kind of forgot about that. It's a lot of dissolves. Yeah, and I was like, oh man, that, that looked really good. Like that was a good shot. It was an, like an effective scene because like it it you know packed a little bit of a punch there. But then her but face then... appears, and I was like, oh no, never mind. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so that's Lilith's Awakening. Uh, I can't, I can't recommend this one, unfortunately. Uh, let's no. let's uh, let's give this a score. I will say uh, two out of ten on this one. I I will give it a two as well. All right, all right. Let's talk about let's talk about shortwave next because I feel shortwave. like I feel like there there might be some some themes carrying over. Not themes necessarily, but uh, like atmosphere, or maybe even mood. Because shortwave. Uh, is a sci-fi horror style movie that it does a lot of the same things as far as trying to ratchet up the tension and kind of mm-hmm. give this uh, psychological horror vibe to it. Yeah. Um, the, the big difference being that this but shortwave, whereas Lilith's Awakening was very sparse in its, you know, uh, crescendoing music and, and tension building, shortwave is nonstop uh never ending ceaseless uh almost pointless levels of tension that occur let me read a synopsis here this is uh written and directed by ryan gregory phillips uh a modern and unrelenting tense psychological thriller based on a theory of the origins of shortwave radio frequencies shortwave is an unnerving reminder that some stones are best left unturned uh that that actually tells very little about the the plot not not sure that's a great synopsis i feel like a, a synopsis should at least outline the basic plot of the movie unless even the basic plot is a spoiler however in this i don't believe that this is the case so we'll start this one off with with you kevin what did you think of shortwave i was really confused by shortwave at first i was so confused because well i like the start of this movie that single take thought that that was fantastic yeah, the story with a child taking her, dropping her kid off at the breeding. She goes mm-hmm. into the bathroom. Yep. She comes out of the bathroom, and then that's how we kick it off. And it's just like, oh shit. Yeah, strong start. Damn, what's this gonna be about? This is creepy shit going on. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. that's immediately followed by like a trailer. I don't know if I've ever seen a movie that like do a trailer because it felt <laughs> like a trailer. And I was yeah. just really confused because it's it's like all the it felt like a like a demo reel trailer yeah. type style here yeah. uh, with ridiculous cinematography like yeah. flare, beyond belief and i don't know what this whole thing is about like leaving like the left half of the the frame out of focus oh yeah or it's like someone smeared, smeared gel all over the like right side of but we go through this like trailer of like all these and it's like different women like doing stuff like one's in a forest one's running through a field one's they got blood all over and one's in this other room. And it felt like there was like four different types of four different women going on here. And I have no idea what's going on now. And it just looks like they, they hired a bunch of models to do stuff. And then they were just like, we're going to try like every type of technique we can do with the camera. Yeah. And, and then next thing, you know, it's like super futuristic and they're in this apartment and you're like, what, what in God's name is going on? Because the woman from the beginning looks completely different now. Yeah, yeah, she did. Completely different woman. I have no idea what was going on. And they just kept 
there's so many times they would just fall back into this like the music would come in and we would just go like music video style oh yeah you're 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 touching on all the points that i that i had with this movie this feels like a demo reel this feels like very music video quality yeah um, it's just like it's, just it's a bunch it's, of people showing off their production values yeah, we've really. we've seen this many times over in the years that we've been doing this site where you know a director will come out on the scene and he wants to hit the ground running and he makes he he it's a he throws everything into it he he everything he learned in film school he tosses in this as far as visuals i mean it is it is unwielding in mm-hmm. the amount of what what's happening in the cinematography in this movie uh it's it's ridiculous it's ridiculous I, and there's that point where they go like they're they're past this couple because it revolves around this couple that moves into this place and the guy's working on this this short wave whatever and you don't even know about the short wave thing until like halfway through the movie and then all of a sudden it's just like short wave radios on the counter and you're just like oh okay well yeah that's interesting like i guess we're getting into it now well that was one of the things is that they don't even they they barely mention anything about it it the, like the most that they mention is that his his partner was like we're so close like we're we're so close we almost have it and i'm like have yeah I, but you're I like thought, have what we don't know what they're I, working on. i honestly thought that this whole movie was gonna progress without them explaining anything about what they're doing and i'm like okay well if, if that's the way that this goes this is completely atrocious but they do I mean, it is so base level. And it's funny because at first I did have kind of a Shane Carruth vibe to this movie as far as what they were trying to go with as far as the visuals. It it had this kind of upstream color look to it as far as uh, like the, the way that their apartment looked. It had this kind of very minimalist, uh, oh, yeah. very I mean, clinical exactly. look to it. It's bright. It's a and movie. when you compare this to a film like Upstream Color, they they do some of the same camera stuff. Because if I remember correctly in Upstream Color, he he played around with focus a lot in that movie too. But in this it's movie... A, it's a bit different. Yeah, it was different. <laughs> but in this movie, they do like to use that kind of... Um, but um, I mean... The sides and corners. On, but yeah, do, like, do I don't focusing know. I don't even know if I've ever seen that before. That just... It looks like someone puts Vaseline just up like a fucking goop of it that you couldn't even see. That's how out of focus it was. It just looked like it looked like the camera was having a stroke <laughs> and couldn't see out of its left eye. That's they, what it looked like. They were they were trying to make the tension in this movie so high all the time. Like it never lets up. You you it there's never reprieve. There's always something going on. Everybody's so high strung in this movie all the time. Yeah. And, and there's, then there's just one montage after another. Especially when they get into the like when they show the past of like them falling in love and all that stuff, that looked like an ad for like wedding photography. <laughs> the way that they were like setting up stuff, I was like, dude, you'd be really good at doing like photography at wedding. It, it reminded me of like stock footage. Yeah, like, like the barn. What, what the barn what, scene? <laughs> what is going? Them getting out of the car this, and go, going yeah, through the wheat field into the me. barn. Yeah, and they had the old truck and everything. What is? passage of time here (laughs) in and of the movie it feels like they're in like 1972 something something way back in the past and then now we're like 
2022. I don't, I don't know what happened, but they didn't age at all. It's just very bizarre. It's very confusing. Now, there were a couple positive things I, I have with this movie. The first being just the, the house. And I think that the house is a really cool. Yeah. That, it was a really cool, um, like as far as the production design goes, I liked that location. I thought it was, it was cool. It was, yeah, it, was, it, was cool it was a cool location. I liked the fact that it was kind of like this high tech, you know, smart home. And I liked the, I just liked the look of all of that stuff. And I think that melding the old technology, like the old shortwave radios and stuff with the, the new kind of minimalist modern home, I thought that was a good juxtaposition that they had going there, blending the old with the new. That, that looked good. And I, you know, that was definitely one positive I had. Um, and then the other thing was the fact that this movie gets really violent unbelievably violent uh, surprisingly so and i thought that the the makeup effects and the like the the blood and gore effects looked they pretty, look good. pretty good like, a lot of that stuff looked there's a scene where someone has their arm sliced open with a knife and it mm, looked very yeah. real it looked very real and there was a, the only problem with that was the follow up afterwards yeah <laughs> where you know a little bit of time has passed and they're laying on the floor and you're just like well surely they would be a little bit more blood yeah like the floor is clean did she did they grieve and then clean up real quick and well, then and the, the, and the, yeah and the funny thing is when that happened it was like a it was like a blood geyser i mean because it's he's everywhere he goes right up the artery from like his wrist all the way up to his elbow and yeah. there's i mean it was it wasn't unrealistic when i say geyser i mean it looked real i imagine i imagine that's how it would be if you split your you flay your forearm yeah uh but yes i think it would be a lot messier (laughs) the the only thing i agree with you with the production design i mean it looks good it's a great location everything i thought the other positive for me was the performance from juanita ringling who plays the lead girl i thought she was pretty good everybody else um she gets a lot to do but at the same time there's so i talk about the montages right that i don't like and there's two in particular. First off, the one that confuses the hell. Well, there's the trailer thing at the beginning because that just didn't make any sense at all. I mean, they come back to it, but still, that was, I don't know why you did that. Second is the one where she pleasures herself, like right at the very beginning. <laughs> I don't know. What... A little, yeah, that was a little <laughs> odd. Well, and it happens right after she's like, she has like a terrible episode that she can't figure out what the hell it is. And then she's left home alone. And she's just like, got nothing to do. <laughs> so just have some fun and that scene just goes on forever and ever and she's like she has pants on she doesn't have pants on she's done but she's not done like yeah. the editing that it's just it's all over the place and then a little bit later they followed up with the the montage of her in the bikini top mm-hmm. where she's just like hanging out by the bamboo yeah then she's like walking around outside and then she's in the the circular hanging chair, chair thing Doing yeah. leg poses for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, her, get, her getting out of the water—it's just like Jesus Christ. That—that's just that just goes back to what we were saying before about this being basically a demo reel, feeling like a demo reel. It's just, it just feels <laughs> like it, it adds nothing to the film itself. It just feels like 
it's just the, the filmmakers just <laughs> well, look what we can do yeah just setting up these shots that they think look pretty yeah and yeah. it's yeah and it, it adds nothing to the film whatsoever i guess it's just reiterating like hey we hired models yeah yeah it feels like a i don't know like a commercial like a cologne commercial or something yeah especially when she's just like doing poses yeah yep 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 uh, the rest of the performances I thought were pretty pretty weak for yeah. the most part. Uh, nothing, I don't know, nothing horrible. I thought that Lilith's Awakening, the performances were much, much worse. Yeah. But overall, this one didn't really grab me either. I, I just didn't like it. Well, yeah, and like you said, too, it gets, it gets violent towards the end, but even that was... It just really didn't make any sense that, you know, to make it this, to attempt to make it this complicated and overly interesting with the shortwave and everything, to have it boil down to what actually happens violence-wise, it's just like, okay, so they can make you injure people and their weapon of choice is knives for some blades. Yeah, I was never really clear about what, Maybe that's why I didn't really like it that much is because I was never really clear about what was happening. Like, I didn't really understand the motivations of... Because it gets very supernatural towards yeah. the end once you, once you start learning more about what's happening with the shortwave stuff. And there was a little twist that they added in there that I thought eh, was interesting, but I also didn't quite get what any of it was for. Well, the, the other thing that... For, just And this just made it... So odd because you have the opening single take where she drops her kid off for this like reading thing at like a local bookstore or whatever. She goes into the bathroom and she comes out of the bathroom. Everyone's gone. Everyone. Like, just fucking gone. And then, you know, she's still grieving and she can't get past the fact that she lost her daughter and this and that. And But what I'm thinking and everyone's kind of like, oh, man, she's a wreck. Oh, she she should be over this by now. But everyone fucking disappeared. Okay. Everyone in there was like six other children. Well, that, there was that, adults. Yeah. Why are we not freaking out and being like, "What the fuck happened?" That, the that, entire town disappeared. Yeah, I mean that was one of the big things that that I was questioning throughout the movie is what about the other parents because that their daughter was not the only kid that disappeared, and then plus the teacher reading to them, she was gone too. So it's like, why were there not like support groups and like everyone like, did. Things, like, <laughs> She was in a bathroom, right? But that bathroom was only like four feet away from where everyone was at. Yeah, it was right next and to it. It's silent. Everyone left silently. And they're just like, ah, oh, she should get over it by now. No, that's some fucked up shit that I don't think you ever recover from. Because there's a mystery foot. Something happened. And you do, you do learn, you do get some answers regarding that. But when, when the answer occurs, it's like, what? Why? 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 Yeah, like was it all to, was it all to manipulate her but if so how did they know like like what, couldn't they do like how did they plan this out so far in advance and it's just it was like uh no, none of it came together no it's just uh no i also thought that the the creature design was was weak like we've seen that yeah. before they weren't very interesting i i have to say and this is like a new rule now if you're making horror movies if your creature design can't top an Aphex Twin video, then stop. Don't make horror films anymore. Because you, be, you should be able to top an Aphex Twin video. Yeah. I don't know. Those videos are pretty freaky. 
I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, if it, like if I can that's get more bar. freaking out in in one of those like four minute videos than what you can do in 80, 90 minutes, then you got to rethink. You got to move into another genre. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Uh, any final thoughts on shortwave before we give this a score? Cool it with the montages. <laughs> Moving forward, just calm down with montages. What'd you What'd you think about the soundtrack? Because uh, what it, was it? Just like one Fleet Foxes song played over and over again. Is that, that what that was? And it was uh, what is that name of that band? Vancouver something or other. They they played that one Vancouver something or other song. Okay. Like a like at least three times. Yeah, that uh, was weird. It was um, damn it. Let me look it up real quick. Vancouver. It felt, yeah, for the for the wedding photography stuff, or it was like a commercial for like Zales or something. Uh, Vancouver Sleep Clinic okay. is the name of the band, and the the That's song it. I believe is called like Aftermath or something that like is that. A which very is appropriate name. Yeah, which is funny because the the song is a minute and forty three seconds long. So they they replayed that song at least three times. I think you're and right. I'm pretty sure these the song was in its entirety those three you, times. You might be right. <laughs> uh, so not not into that. I felt like the music was very manipulative, and I didn't. I I don't. It felt like um. It reminded me like in in proceed like on uh, network TV procedurals on network TV when they play like the type of music during an emotional scene, like when somebody dies or when something bad happens, and it's like. S- so overtly manipulative. So, yeah. As soon as it comes in, it's just mm-mm. it was like Scrubs. What Scrubs used to do? <laughs> scrubs. If something serious happens. Let's play a Shin song. <laughs> uh, All right. What are you gonna give Shortwave out of ten? Two. I'm gonna give Shortwave a two point five oh, out of ten. It. Okay. Yeah, and it's there were there were a couple things. I'm sitting at like a two two point five three on that one, just because there were there were a couple things the the razor blade scene I thought was effective, like that made me squirm a little bit. Yeah. And uh, the the slow stab, the slow throat stab, I thought yeah. looked really good. That was rough to watch. So, yeah. There, so there were there were a couple things that got me with that one. So actually, now, now that I reevaluated, I'll, I'll firmly say a three on that. Yeah, but remember. Montages. I know. I remember the mon. Don't, a three There's is a not mon- a good. A three is not a good score. Let's. Dude, there is a montage of her masturbating. There was. No it happened. Reason. And it they happened. shoot. They shoot her feet like twelve times of her feet just sliding back and forth. Yep. Pants on. Pants off. Pants on. Pants <laughs> yeah, off. Like, and this happens after she has. She tries to leave the house and she's rendered unconscious from an invisible force field. And he's like, I still got to go into town. And then as soon as he leaves, she's like, well, might as well get to it. <laughs> Start rubbing that clip. Got, like, nothing, <laughs> got nothing else to do. Got the house to myself. Enjoy that shit. Like, what the fuck? Uh, all right. That's shortwave. Let's move on to our final review. Dinner with the Alchemist. This is directed by Kevin Good. I have a synopsis here. In this supernatural drama, a spider web of lives come clashing together as old New Orleans is plagued by mysterious deaths. Oh boy. So this one is the one this, that I this, that this, I yeah, trouble with. I had trouble with it at first. I had watched I think about 5 minutes of before turning it off and coming back the next day to finish it off. Um I hear you. 
I gotta say, so of all of these three that we watched, the 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 story of this one, the narrative, I found to be the most interesting of the three. I, I'm right there with you. This was the one that I actually enjoyed. I I knew I knew it. I was gonna predict has, that this was the one. I'm surprised that you predicted that. Yeah, because it, because it was the same for me. I out of the There's, three, this yeah. was the one that that I liked the most, and the it's certainly not without its flaws. It Acting, definitely has it has some flaws. It definitely, I, and I can see exactly what you're talking about because even in the beginning of watching this one too, it was because this is the last one I watched. Right, I watched Littlest Awakening, then I watched Shortwave, and then I get into Dinner with the Alchemist. The title card pops up, and I'm just like, oh, jeez. I know. And then get a little bit, you know, like 10, 15 minutes into the movie, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness. I don't know if I can make I, – I don't know if I can do this again. It's uh, – you, you got you to gotta just give this one a shot. You can't just – because it looks like shit. The acting is awful. Yeah, the acting – it gets it, better at times. It definitely gets better at times where – and you almost kind of – like, at least for me, I kind of got a little bit more invested in it because I'm like – I started, like, rooting for these guys. Yeah. I was like, I know you can do it. And then when it would be, like, a good scene, I'm like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Way to go, guys. Yeah, it is interesting because uh, I turned it off right after they first introduced the, uh, the Marie Laveau character. Uh, played by Dion Audane. And that first scene that she's in, she is, she's bad. Like, it's just bad. But she does, as, as it goes on, the, the emotions start to, to ramp up and things get more serious and the stakes get higher. She, it gets better. Like, she does, she does get better. And I think the same can be said for a lot of, a lot of these performances. It just, you gotta stick with it, though, because, uh, like, visually, it is, very very bad like very poor very low budget on this one and it looks like a play it it i think it looks like a play it doesn't look like a feature film but if the, the thing uh, there's because yeah it's low budget now there and you're doing you're doing a period piece too which i mean that's you already digging yourself into yeah a hole there yeah and i i mean i was kind of surprised the way they were they were able to pull off some of this stuff you know I, it kind of it kind of gave it like this charm to it yeah I, you're just I, like you're like you know what i'm with you guys i'm having fun with this story i, I thought the story was actually really well written yeah like the construction of it and everything the way that you know weaving all these stories and mm-hmm. stuff i'm just yeah, like but, there's a lot of flaws to this and there's definitely like when they're down at like the docks <laughs> the green screen mm. the green screen in this is so bad mm, it's tough it's it so tough to get through but it, I, it I don't know. After a while, I just, I kind of, I kind of just gave in and I'm just, I'm like, Hey, the exact same charming ass film. I don't know why. Yep. I got the exact same thing happened to me. And it it reminded me of uh, like a, like a nineties FMV video game. Like this, this should have been a game that came out (laughs) on Sega CD or something. Cause it, it just had this really low quality to it. And, but that being said, I was thoroughly intrigued by the story. Like I, I, it was, it's sort of a murder mystery. You know, there's these, these girls that are being murdered in the French quarter and they're trying to figure out who did it. But then there's this like mysterious uh, French alchemist that shows up. He's French, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's French. Cause the, there's the Spaniard alchemist and you got voodoo. And, and uh, just one, one thing that I thought that was actually 
strong with the visuals was the scenes where he was mixing up his chemicals and his potions and shit. Like those scenes actually looked really good. Yeah, I think they. they I think they knew that that was that they couldn't fuck those up. Yeah, like it's dinner with the alchemist. There's an alchemist. We're gonna be doing alchemy things. All they have the, to look good. Yeah, all the the alchemy scenes they did really look good. It was it was weird though because it almost looked like it didn't quite fit. <laughs> like the uh, like those scenes looked much higher like higher definition than the other yeah. scenes. It, it, it looks like they invested a lot of the budget into the alchemy scenes. Yeah, they didn't. Instead of like kind of spreading that stuff out over the the entire film production they were just like we got to make sure that these scenes look great and then we'll just make the other stuff work some way somehow yeah but uh oddly I, I i'm just right there with you i was fully invested in the in the characters and the story and i was there were a lot of kind of interconnected subplots that happened during this and i, I thought it was just it was well crafted and they did draw a lot from real history too like the like the marie laveau character i mean that was a real person she's she's yeah. a real a real they, person yeah. and they tell you at the beginning that they gleaned a lot of the stuff from actual police records from that time and, and i think the story out of it and yeah and i think that that definitely helped too uh marie laveau's uh shop is actually still there and uh actually visited it in the oh, yeah. Netherlands, yeah, it's more of like a touristy type thing now, but it's still there. And uh, I liked, I liked that, and the the fact that they did kind of make this kind of um, historical fiction, yeah, type of of uh, film out of it. And they weren't, yeah. and they weren't afraid to have a little bit of fun with it too. No, no, they like weren't. The, the 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 main cop, uh, Regan Wilson, who looked mm-hmm. like a mixture of Jack Black and P.T. Anderson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He like he's there for like comic relief, which I I don't know. It's just it's one of those things that looking back it shouldn't work for me. No, like it shouldn't work, but it did. It did, and like I'm like halfway of the, you know I was like halfway through it, and I'm just like, damn, I'm like really into this. Yeah, it's who the killer is. And see, it's funny because this one was the first one of the three that I attempted to watch. And I turned it off and I watched the other two over the next couple of days. And then I came back to this one. And it was just funny because at some point, maybe 20 minutes in, maybe 30, I just, I realized, like, I'm, I'm kind of hooked. I'm kind of yeah. hooked to this thing. Yeah, you're just kind of <laughs> like, there comes a point where you're just like, fuck this. This is fun. I'm having fun with this one. Yeah, I I don't I'm, I don't know what it is, but uh, this this definitely was my favorite of of the the three that we talked about on the show, and it was uh, it's probably my favorite of uh, of all of the Dances with Films movies that I've seen thus far. So Ooh, nice. Yeah, I don't. It, it's just man. Can you imagine what this would have been like if they had the, like, a bigger like, budget to like the actual money to do it? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And this is what this is, and kind of like what we talked about with Lilith's Awakening. This movie has bad acting. Oh it's yeah, got, it's got some rough acting. Oh yeah, but the writing, the screenplay itself, is so much better. Yeah, that it, it you don't you don't mind it that much. Yep. And I'm gonna come there's back. not there's not atrocious you know dialogue where you're just like oh my god. I'm gonna come back to that in a little bit too on a, on the watch list because there was another one at Dances with Films that was a similar situation. 
But um, yeah, this this is one that I will give a light recommend to because uh, I think that once you get past the the look and the shaky performances, uh, you, you will have a good time with it. Yes. So. I agree. Uh, Dinner with the Alchemist, I will go ahead and give that a 6 out of 10. I will give it a 6 as well. It's just uh, I'm good, surprised, good, I'm surprised we kind of lined up on everything. It's, well, as soon as you texted me and said the one, it'll shock you, I, I knew that that was the one because <laughs> I, was, I was like, well, it has to be that one because it was the only one that I actually liked out of the three. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's... And I was like fully prepared. I was like fully prepared if that wasn't the one, if this wasn't the one to defend it. Because I was like, this is clearly the best of these three. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's, again, Dinner with the Alchemist. Um, not sure as far as release dates on any of these movies, but we will certainly keep everything up to date on the site. And if they get VOD releases, we'll update that and all, and all of that stuff. Let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching in the watch list now it's been two weeks so probably have a, a bunch of stuff lined up so let's just um let's just stick with some of the the big ones here i'll start okay. it off right. if that's okay uh x-men apocalypse oh shit yeah so x-men apocalypse hit me uh i'll keep this pretty brief uh i thought it was okay i didn't think it was great i had some some very major issues with it i thought that it was probably Brian Singer's worst of the three X-Men movies that he directed. And it's actually kind of uh, funny that I see this movie very shortly after seeing An Open Secret, which is that documentary about the uh, sex abuse in Hollywood. Mm. And Brian Singer is implicated very, very heavily in that. Um, and I'm pretty sure that he is guilty of that. Wow. So it didn't really affect how I felt about this movie in any way. but. As far as, uh, as far as stacking this against other superhero movies, I thought it was far better than Batman v Superman, but I didn't think it was as good as uh, D- Days of Future Past, the last X-Men movie. The, it, oddly, the stakes felt very low, uh, considering the fact that Apocalypse was the villain and his goal was to basically kill everybody in the entire world. Okay. There was just something about it that didn't quite mesh. Um, there, there aren't as many X-Men in this movie as Days of Future Past, and yet the ones that they did showcase felt like they didn't really do enough with them. Like Psylocke, uh, Olivia Munn's character, she had two lines in the whole movie, and she just didn't do that much. Same with Storm. I like the character of Storm, and I like that they gave her the mohawk and everything, but I just felt like she was underutilized in this. Uh, Quicksilver, there was another scene with Quicksilver, like they did in Days of Future Past, very similar to what they did in Days of Future Past, which is fine because I thought that was the best scene in that movie. Yeah. And the problem I think that they wrote themselves into a corner with the character of Quicksilver is that he's just way too overpowered. He's So they had to kind of write it in that he gets incapacitated in some way. Uh-huh. So it's certainly not without its flaws, but I'd say it's worth a rental. You know, it's got some some fun action scenes uh like i mentioned before i saw this i i had heard that even though it takes place in the 80s it doesn't feel like the 80s and i will completely agree with that there's very little to indicate that it's the 80s which is i feel like that's a big bummer yeah 
But a, it makes you think of why even why even be in the eighties. I think that the only reason they did it is because just canonically they had to get there with it with this cast mm-hmm. since the other one took place in the seventies, the last one. But either way, I'd say maybe a light a light recommend. I gave it a two and a half stars on Letterbox. I didn't write a review for this one, but yeah, it's X Men Apocalypse. It was a meh for me. Hmm. That's unfortunate. <clears throat> I have a French movie that I checked out on Mubi, which it's still on there, if you have Mubi, by the way. Looks like it's got three days to go. It's, it's a film called Eat Your Bones, which I think you would really be into this one. Eat your bones. Eat your fucking bones. All right. So this is, it's, uh, it's one of those gritty realist movies. Uh, it's about a kid that lives in this uh, community of gypsies, and he's about to get baptized. Yeah, I guess it's a Christian gypsy community they set up shop and they get their tent and everything he's getting ready to get baptized but his brother gets out of jail just did a 15 year stint and when he comes back oh shit he hasn't changed this guy's still wild and crazy and uh they immediately get into some shit because uh apparently he learned nothing in jail hmm. and he wants to go back so and essentially it's just like the one day and then one night of them just getting into shit deeper and deeper and deeper until they can't get out of it. And uh, it has a really good, gritty, realism feel to it. Cinematography in certain places looks fantastic. And the performances are quite good. I think that was the main thing that kept me intrigued because story-wise, what's actually happening and some of the themes that they kind of explore throughout the film don't really work for me. I I mean, I found it all kind of one-note and just monotonous after a while. But the mm. performances really hold it up and keep you, at least keep you interested mildly until you get to the end. Yeah, I'm interested in this one. This one looks, this one looks good. It's like, a, it's like a super light recommend. Okay. And that's Eat Your Bones. Eat Your Bones. No one eats bones. Just the oh. Oh. Sorry to ruin that was... I, I, I was just thinking that people... There's probably some people that got really excited by that title and thought, I wonder if someone eats bones. No one eats bones. No bone eating. That's no a, bone that's eating. A shame. Just, just a heads up. That's a shame. I saw Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. Okay. This is the Lonely Island movie starring Andy Samberg. There's a ton of people in this, by the way. Just a slew of great comedic talent as well as a lot of, um, a lot of musicians in this because it's kind of... Uh, I would say it's sort of a, a a modern. This is Spinal Tap, where it's kind of taking the piss out of the pop industry mm-hmm. and the music industry as a whole. And I, I think that it does it pretty effectively. It's very very funny. Um, lots of quotables, lots of one liners in this one. Lots of throwaway throwaway lines and things. Uh, and a lot of people, a lot of critics were saying like, you know, this plays out like a a, a long SNL digital short, and it does. It's if you're into the SNL digital shorts that uh, Andy Samberg and and company have made over the years, then you'll like this because it's very similar. Uh, Obviously, it's more adult. This is R rated, so they're they're able to do whatever they want with it. And uh, I would say uh, this this one is is a hearty recommend as well. I didn't love it, but I was certainly entertained by it. Certainly uh, gave me the giggles, and I found it wildly entertaining so definitely definitely worth checking out uh there is a 
I don't know if it, I'd even call it a cameo, but uh, Justin Timberlake is in it, and his character is so fucking funny in this. He plays this. He plays the uh, Andy Samberg's personal chef, and he's just so funny in it. But I mean, everybody does a great job. There's this uh, this great because it's sort of shot like a, like a mockumentary, and there's this TMZ style, like they they're making fun of TMZ and kind of parodying it. And it's uh, Mike, Mike Birbiglia and uh, Will Arnett and, um, oh, what's her name? From, uh, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh. Where am I? Why am I drawing? Oh, my God. She, what she's, is her name? Uh, I feel bad. She's really funny. But it's the three of them, and, oh, my God, it's really funny. It's good stuff. But Chelsea Peretti, that's it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Riz is in it. Riz is pretty funny as well. He plays himself. Uh, so. Oh yeah, and Eric Andre is also one of the TMZ people. <laughs> so, just imagine that that group. I want to. I want to watch this. Yeah, it's worth it's worth checking out. I think you'll like it. You'll you'll find it funny. Good. Uh, I watched a American indie on Fandor. 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 This is from 2012, called Marvin, Seth, and Stanley, directed by Stephen Gurwitz, and uh, it's a film in which. His dad, Marvin Gurwitz, he plays his son. And then Alex Karposky plays the other son. And they go on this, this weekend camping trip and fishing trip. And uh, it doesn't go well. It doesn't go well at all. I can um, tell from the poster. Yeah, because that, that car is careening off of a cliff, maybe. I mean, it doesn't go that badly. Um, but and this is one of those films where it's kind of funny. There's a couple of times that I chuckled and stuff. Um, but it's not... You're not, don't go in expecting to be laughing your ass off, chuckling nonstop and all that kind of stuff. It's one of those times where I just, I kind of had like a pleasant time. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's low key, really. Um, It's got, you know, neo-realist feel to it, you know, with the grainy film stock and all that. And it's just them, their trip or whatever. And Stephen Gerwitz's character is, he's funny. He's a funny actor, Um, but he just doesn't say that much in this movie. I mean, a lot of the focus is on Alex Karpovsky's character, and he kind of dominates the entire story just because of the, the personality type that his character is. Mm-hmm. He's this guy that like constantly lies, uh, just makes up shit for attention, um, thinks his life is like he knows everything and he knows what to do and his life is completely together and he's the shit. And he's like the exact opposite because he's not actually, he doesn't have his shit together and that type of thing. So he kind of dominates. and while at first it is a little bit funny, like it becomes overbearing, you know, like midway through three fourths of the way through. And I mean, it's kind of the point because that's what his character is supposed to be, but Holy shit. It's, it's tough to, to watch for the entire time. And especially when you have two other characters, the dad and the other son, Stephen Gurus, you know, the writer and director, they are much more funny in their line delivery and what they say and stuff. And Mm. they're just, he just overpowers them throughout, which again is the point of the film. But at the same time, it doesn't really make for that great or you know that enjoyable of a, a viewing experience. Yeah, well, it looks like it's only seventy-two minutes. So yeah, so it's pretty it, it breezy. Goes, yeah, it goes quickly. Um, like I said, it's it. Was, I had a pleasant time with it. Now it's a light recommend because I, when you're done with it, you know, like five minutes or ten minutes after watching the thing, and you're kind of sitting with it, there's just there's not much there. There's really nothing there 
to like mm-hmm. stick with you. Yeah. You're just like, oh, okay. That was kind of all right time. Okay. I'm not going to remember this. Yeah. And that's uh, Marvin, Seth, and Stanley available on Fandor. I saw The Wailing. Oh, boy. This is directed by Nahan Jin. It's a South Korean film. Uh, this one's an interesting one because it's, it starts off as a sort of a procedural um, and th- kind of evolves into this supernatural thriller. There's, there's, uh, I've heard it described as the exorcist meets memories of murder. Okay. And that's, it's, that's pretty accurate in saying that. Uh, it, it does have sort of a, a memories of murder feel to it where it's drawn out. It, this movie's it's like two and it's over two and a half hours long. So it's, it's a little, it's a little lengthy. It's a little drawn out. Um, and there is a fair amount of comedy in this actually, uh, like memories of murder where it's very serious subject matter, but they, they do tend to put in a lot of, uh, you know, levity in there. And it just has this kind of supernatural hook to it where people are getting possessed and people are dying and it's, uh, uh, basically people are getting possessed and murdering their, their loved ones. And it focuses on this, uh, this detective who's trying to figure out what the cause of it is. And, uh, things, things get very, very dire for him. Mm. Indeed. Uh, you would, you would definitely like this one. You should, you should absolutely check this one out. Uh, cinematography is fantastic. Looks great. Most of the movie or a lot of the movies, it's raining. It's like raining and dirty and very, very grimy looking shit. But, uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I, I need to rewatch it just plain and simple because where it goes and the, the various twists that occur, um, it's, it's a little complex. And I think that I have a handle on how it turned out and why everything happened the way it did. But there are some questions that I have that I think I would be able to answer if I rewatched it, knowing how it ends. Yeah. So uh, The Wailing is playing in limited release right now. I would highly recommend checking it out. Uh, it, if you're into these kind of South Korean uh, crime stories or even, even horror movies, because it does go down that road, too, I, I, would, I would definitely recommend checking it out yeah you'll i think you'll you'll definitely like it um so the intern the intern the intern the one with robert de niro yeah i know the one i was uh this was a vacation in the hotel intern comes on and i said what the why fuck not let's do Mm. it what's up um uh, there's not much to say (laughs) 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 uh it's it's got some interesting things to it but man, a lot of this stuff is just some just some really sappy comedy in there. And just everyone, every character outside of Anne Hathaway and Robert De Niro is just oh boy, they're like cutouts, cardboard cutouts. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know, it's just it. You know, he's a senior intern and he goes back to work, and Anne Hathaway's running this business and it's explode. Oh my god, and they want her to find a CEO because she can't handle it, right? Mm-hmm. So she, she's got some problems. She's got some issues. She doesn't want to do it. She wants to stay in charge. Robert De Niro is like, you should do it. You should stay in charge because you're a woman and you're awesome. So, I mean, it's got a nice message of, you know, it's got this feminist message to it. But at the same time, it doesn't really go anywhere outside of just like 
yeah, you're a woman, you can do it too. And then that, like, that's as far as it goes. Mm. And then it just keeps reiterating that message over and over again. And it's kind of funny here and there because, you know, it's Robert De Niro. He's an old guy and he's working at this, this upstart. And it's funny because he dresses up and everyone's super cash. Oh. Yeah, but he always wears a suit. And he's not going to change. He's going to keep wearing a suit. And he brings his briefcase. He's got his briefcase. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's light. It's a fluff piece. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it's great for some people. I just wasn't into it. It's not my type of thing. Yeah. I don't know. I fucking watched it anyways. <laughs> I knew it wasn't my type of thing. But I was like, oh, let's do it. All right, that's the intern. Uh, I saw Zootopia, the Disney animated film. Yeah. With uh, Jason Bateman as a fox, talking oh fox. This one was interesting. It was kind of a mystery story. Basically, it's about this uh, this bunny who becomes a cop. She's the first cop bunny, and they are investigating this missing persons case where there's this, uh, is a badger? Or no, otter. I think he's an otter who goes Ooh. missing, and they're trying to track him down. She's she's trying to because she's a bunny. They made her a meter maid, and she's trying to make a name for herself and prove that she's more than just a meter maid. So she goes and tries to take this case where she finds this missing person, and there's this like rash of missing animals that are popping up all over Zootopia, oh and my God. she she discovers that uh, there is a, a nefarious plot that's that's happening and she partners up with this sly fox to to solve this mystery and uh, i really enjoyed it i thought it was a lot of fun there was there were a number of really funny sequences particularly the one one that you see in the trailers the dmv and all all of the employees at the dmv are sloths (laughs) it's just it's a really funny scene it's very juvenile but the way that it's executed is just really really comical and i enjoyed that um i had a really good time with this i thought that the animation was was really good like the like the fur on all of the animals was just so clear and just man it was like taking it to another level um but and also the scale the fact that you know these are all animals of different shapes and sizes and heights and everything and the fact that they were able to create this city that was that accounted for all of the different sizes of these animals was was really interesting. I mean, like the, the attention to detail in this was mm. really really impressive, and uh, I I had a really good time with it. I thought it was uh it was, a, it was a fun little movie. It was a little heavy handed because the whole the whole premise is s- some animals are predators and some are prey, and ninety nine percent of the of mammals are are prey and one percent are predators and it was just this whole kind of thing where something happens in the movie where people become scared of the predators and they start uh having them they start losing their jobs and being repressed as predators so there was this whole kind of equality message to it which uh it was it was fine it was just a little little heavy-handed it looked much yeah but i still recommend it i mean it's it's still a really fun uh family film so zootopia check it out check it out on blu-ray there's a ton of bonus features on the blu-ray and one of one of them is really interesting because it actually they talk about how this was a completely different movie at the beginning 
um, when they were like storyboarding it and everything. It was yeah. just it was it changed completely by the time they that they uh, finished it. And like before the Fox, Jason Bateman's character was the main character, and they had it all. They had like all of these other different uh, plot points and things. So it changed a lot throughout the, uh, the you know development and production. And it's interesting that they kind of go over all of that stuff in the bonus features. So, yeah, check it out. I have one left. That was another movie that I saw on Fandor. Fandor. All about it. Get that Fandor. 1983's Cuckoo Rantumi. This is, uh, this is a film from Ghana, director King Empal. And uh, the thing that intrigued me was it's a Ghana comedy from 1983. And I was like, all right, African comedy from the 80s? Let's do this. Hmm. Thing that sold me on it is I go to Letterboxd. I'm like, oh, I wonder what anyone's seen it, what they thought. No one's seen it, or at least logged in on Letterboxd. So that instantly piques my interest. Well, I have to be the first one. Here we go. Uh, again, it's one of those things where it's not that funny. And not only is it not that funny, but I don't, I didn't really even recognize like attempts at humor. You know what I mean? Like it's one thing to like try to be funny and you're just not. Yeah. You're just like, man, you it, you either failed at being funny or it just wasn't my type of humor. But this one is, I'm, I didn't really even see attempts at mm. humor unless it's just, you know, something in the, you know, the cultural differences, you know, they just a different sense of humor. Uh, the movie is in English. So all the characters speak English, which was tough because they have really thick accents and there's no subtitles for this movie, oh, yeah. which is really difficult for me because I watch subtitles on everything because I can't understand people talking ever, even if it's English. I can't figure it out. Subtitles help. They're really important. Um, but I'm just advocating for subtitles right now and closed captioning. Do it for everything. And, but again, it's one of those things that it was. I had a pleasant time with it. Uh, the film actually opens up with this single shot that is really impressive for the type of scene that we're talking with here. The, the main character, Addy, he drives a lorry between the small town of Kukurantumi and the capital of Accra. So he just, that's how he makes his money, right? And his family lives in the small town, and then he kind of stays in the city and picks up people and back and forth. So the movie starts off at a big dirt lot, and everyone's like loading up into his lorry. He's getting ready for the trip. And it's like a single take of him walking the whole way back to his lorry. There's a conversation there of them like getting ready, people loading up and everything. And then they get in the, the truck. He starts driving away. The camera like floats up. As he's pulling out, he turns left out of the thing. And then it's like a complete swivel of him going the whole way around the, mm. the, the, the circumference of the, the, of the dirt lot, which was fantastic. It was really great way to start off the movie and there's a couple of other scenes like that throughout where it's just like man this is this is high quality stuff oh but it it was interesting because they work in i guess 83 this is like slightly after like a couple years after a, a revolution that they had in ghana which they make mention of throughout the movie which of course got me to, to look that up to try and figure out exactly what they're talking about so it's an interesting little movie uh it's a pleasant i mean like i said it's not overly funny but it's not like they're they're failing constantly. Hmm. It's all right. It's like a light recommend. All right. What was the name of that again? Cuckoo. Cuckoo Rantumi. Cuckoo Rantumi. All right. Uh, I got a, a few here that I'll just bang out very quickly. Um, I saw The Martian. I didn't like it. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> I just didn't. I didn't see the point of it. 
existing. Yeah, I remember it 100%. I just, I, it just wasn't. I was expecting it to be a laugh riot after winning the Golden Globe for Best Comedy or Musical. And uh, I was a little disappointed because it was not a laugh riot. No, not at all. Uh, I saw some uh, other Dances with Films movies. Uh, one was called Beacon Point. It was a horror film. Did not enjoy this one very much. It's about a, a group of hikers that are hiking across the Appalachian Trail. And some bad things happen to them after they encounter this uh, mysterious, I guess you'd call it a tome. Yeah. Uh, they basically just, they die. It's like this whole kind of alien type thing. <laughs> it's not very enjoyable. I didn't, didn't like that one too much uh, at all. It's, it's not horrible, I guess. Uh, Virtual Revolution is another one I saw. I have a review for this up on the site, so you can read my thoughts in greater detail in the review. Uh, this is v- uh, very much a, a Blade Runner-esque movie. I mean, it borrows heavily in the visual department from Blade Runner. It's about, it takes place in a future where everybody is hooked into VR, and they don't spend any time in the real world. And there's this group of terrorists that is trying to destroy the VR companies to, to make people uh, go back into the real world and spend their lives in the real world. And it's about this agent who is working for one of the VR companies and he's trying to stop these terrorists. This is an example of bad acting with, with good dialogue. The acting is okay. pretty bad, but the dialogue is actually pretty decent. So... Some of the visual effects, I mean, this is a really ambitious movie, and some of the visual effects are actually pretty goddamn good in this movie. Like, the CG work was really impressive for a low-budget movie, uh, because a lot of it takes place in the the VR world, so there's, like, one that's, like, a fantasy setting where there's dragons and magic and stuff, and then there's this other one that's, like, this dystopian sci-fi future with mechs and robots and drones and things, and it, it all looks really good. The the movie doesn't really do much as as far as anything original or unique. I, I wasn't really taken with the story, and I didn't like the main character very much either. I thought he was a little a little flat. I, it was like a cross between Blade Runner and Existence, the Cronenberg film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, not not great that one. I didn't like that too much. Uh, and then the other one I saw is called Misfortune. Uh, check this one out last night. It's a crime thriller. Um, this one I actually enjoyed. It's very light in plot. I mean, there's not a lot going on in this. The, the, the dialogue is very sparse, very minimalist um, as far as, you don't, they don't really develop any of the characters and the story's not really developed at all, but I found it to be pretty entertaining. It was a, it's a heist film of sorts about this, uh, this, this guy who steals a bunch of diamonds with his partner and then betrays his partner, gets killed, and then his son goes out and looks for the diamonds. Uh, I have a review for that up on the site as well. Now, um, before we move on, I just want to quickly mention a couple TV shows that I've been watching just because I, I like them quite a bit, and I wanted to mention them. Do it. Uh, the first is Preacher. So Preacher started on AMC. A uh, huge fan of the comic book series. I loved the Preacher comic book series. They still have all the, all the graphic novels. And um, I was even collecting the, the single issues when it was coming out. Um, so the Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg adaptation began. There's uh, two episodes have come out so far, and they're great. It's fantastic. It's, it doesn't follow the comic book to a T. There is, there is some 
finagling happening here with the story, but for the the broad strokes are there, and I thought that it they did a great job with it. It's funny. There's some really good action scenes in it, which surprised me. Like some of the some of the action scenes in the first two episodes are really good, especially the the pilot. Um, but I highly recommend checking out Preacher. It's dark. It's disturbing. It's funny, but it's uh, very violent. And uh, yeah, recommend that. Another one is Outcast, which premiered on Cinemax. Uh, there's two episodes of that out now also. That's also based on a comic book, um, a Robert Kirkman comic book, the guy who created Walking Dead. Mm, uh, this, yeah. is, uh, this is another horror story, but it's about exorcisms and possession. Uh, but it's very, it's very low-key. Um, it's sort of like how he created The Walking Dead at the beginning, where the zombies were never really the central point, yeah. the focal point of the story. Uh, it's sort of the same way with this movie, and it's about a guy who is returning to his hometown after being gone for a long time. When he was a kid, his mom got possessed, and it's it kind of screwed him up. And he's starting to realize that he has the power to basically exercise demons from possessed people. Uh, again, very very dark. This one's because it's on Cinemax; they can drop f bombs and stuff like that. Uh, unlike the Preacher series, but uh, really, that's definitely worth checking out. So the uh, that one is actually created by Adam Wingard, and uh, he directed the first episode, the pilot, and um, Caitlin Shields in it. I was gonna say this is the one with Patrick Fugit, right? Yep, yep, he's the main character. Yeah, because even looks like here Lee Janiac did one of the episodes too. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I. Oh, that's cool. She she must do one of the later episodes because she didn't. Adam Wingard did the first episode. I can't remember who did the second one, but it wasn't him. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out. It it has a very cinematic quality to it. The like the cinematography is really good. It takes place in South Carolina, so it has that kind of uh, weathered look to it. Nice. Um, and then the the last one that I'll mention is Bloodline on Netflix. The Bloodline. The second season of that is is now available. It came out a couple weeks ago, but I yeah. I uh, finished watching the second season. I've been binge watched that one. Oh man, you've done already. Have you been watching it? Yeah, I've been watching it. Oh, this is a... this is a weird show for me because it started out really, it started out awful. Like the first yeah. season with the narration I, I, stuff, it was so terrible. Yeah, same same for me. So when the first season came out, I knew nothing about it. I watched the first episode, and that was it. Like I did not, I did not continue. Uh, but then later on, I gave it another shot, and I stuck with it, and of course, it hooked me. Yeah, well, it, and the reason I stuck with it, I was like, man, Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn. He's yeah. fucking killing it in this show. It's, I'm just watching it for that. And then, you know, kind of, you got hooked, and then I was like, oh, you know what, I'll start the, the second season. The number one thing that I noticed with the second season, um, the direction now, like, holy shit. Like, some of these episodes... This is one episode, I think the second episode. Oh my goodness, whoever directed that, that was amazing. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Chandler in the second season is doing some really impressive work. Um, the facial expressions that he's making, <laughs> oh <my laughs> especially God. when he talks to, the first time that he talks to, to uh, Kevin Rayburn, that character <sighs> hits. Oh my God. When Kevin Rayburn fucks up. And he just looks that he shoots him. He looks, my God. He looks like a child. Like he he contorts his face in a way that he looks like a learning disabled child or something, 
and I don't mean that like to be offensive in any way, but just the, the confusion that he kind of has on his oh face. Oh my god, the way that the way... he gets those faces and the faces of just like just pure rage. It's yeah. just like deep down. It's just building up inside of him. And it look you can tell that it's it looks like it's taken him like three hundred percent effort of keeping that shit inside before he just punches someone through the face. Yeah. It's it's a fantastic show. Uh by now most people have a Netflix subscription and I think that you should absolutely check it out and you will just just know that you will get hooked to it and, and you will want to continue right. watching it. And then the other thing is they add John Leguizamo to the second season. Oh yeah, and he is oh man, he's a bad guy too and he's just He's just so nefarious mm-hmm. in this. And it's it, like his, because you don't know what his plan is at first. You're like, what is he doing here? Because you know he's planning something. You know that he's setting, he's setting things up. He's like setting up the dominoes to fall. But you don't really know what his goal is or why he's doing the things that he's doing. And it's just, oh, it's just so good. Yes. So good. Wonderful. All right. Let's talk about some predictions. Next week. We have Central Intelligence. Ooh. Oh, the Rock and some Kevin Hart. They're, they're a mixed-matched couple going to fight some crime. It's basically like the two, the two biggest names in Hollywood right now that are in everything coming together. I do. I, I like Rock doing comedy, though. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's so amazing at comedy. Uh, I don't, I'm not interested in this one. I just, I, the only thing that made me laugh in the trailer was, uh, I think it was towards the end when he throws the grenade in the car. Mm-hmm. He's like, which car are we going to take? Not that one. I do. Just the, his reaction when it was exploding. Kevin Hart's reaction. I thought that was funny. I but. do. This is one of those things that I'll get like a Friday night rental. Yeah. Just yeah. like turn the brain off, get some brews. Yeah. Don't watch sexual intelligence. Uh, I'll go ahead and say 48 on that one. I'll say 50, right down the middle. All right. We also have Finding Dory. This is the maybe highly anticipated sequel to Finding Nemo. I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of Finding Nemo, honestly. And this, there is one scene in the trailer for this one that makes me laugh very hard. And it's at the end with the... I don't, have you seen the trailer for this? No, I have not. There's a scene where it's uh, a bunch of seals or sea lions laying on a rock. And they end up, I, I don't know what it, why it makes me laugh, but there's a seal that come that, that's laying on it with them. His name's Gerald, and they make him, they yell at him to get off the rock. But just the look on Gerald's face is priceless. And I, Idris Elba <laughs> is one of the sea lions. I just like the idea of this nice Gerald. Oh, that's a great name for a seal. You, you have to watch... The, the latest trailer just for that one scene at the very end because it is it, I, I'm not going to see the movie but man that one scene what are you thinking on Finding Dory I say 70 70 alright I'll say 76 on that one and limited release next week we have Clown this is the Eli Roth produced or maybe executive produced horror film this is one that came out overseas a long time ago and it's finally coming out here in the states, I don't know exactly what happened with the release of this one, but uh, I heard I heard good things. I heard it's really freaky, and I mean the cover looks really. And clowns are scary anyway. So, uh, tickled. This is the documentary about the competitive tickling. I would definitely 
recommend that. I think that that'll probably be one of my favorite documentaries of the year. So absolutely worth checking out. Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made. This is the documentary about those guys that did the shot for shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it mm. took them like 30 years to make it. Fucking idiots. <laughs> uh, idiots. Great. I'll be interested. I'll probably check that, that out. Looks like could be entertaining. Uh, Soul Searching. This is a South Korean uh, rom-com. Takes place in Seoul in the 80s. Uh, slight interest in that one. Cosmos. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that, that poster, man. That's a freaky-ass poster. Give it. I want it. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Okay. All right. let's, uh, let's look at what's coming out on VOD. Let's see. No Stranger Than Love and The Last Heist are coming out on Friday. Okay. I'm not sure what No Stranger Than Love is. What is that? A quirky romantic comedy with Alice and Brie and Colin Hanks. Yeah. Yeah, probably skip that one. Mm-hmm. Next week on Blu-ray, this is for June 14th. We got... Uh, I did not look at this ahead of time. Get a Job. That's the one with... Um, Miles Teller and Anna Kendrick, mm. rom-com. Hello, my name is Doris. It's one with Sally Field and uh, Ryan Reynolds, I believe. Another rom-com. Yeah. Looks like Jaws is getting a re-release. Oh, uh, the sequels, the sequels are getting re-released on Blu-ray. So Jaws two, Jaws three D, and Jaws the Revenge. Ten Cloverfield Lane uh, is getting some sort of release that looks. Uh, the cover on it looks really cool. Mm. Looks very Hitchcockian. Looks like uh, Panic and Needle Park is getting a re-release. Oh hell yeah, hell uh, yeah! Can't recommend that one enough. Hey, hey, that's good stuff. That's, uh, good stuff. that's a rough movie to watch, but damn, that's a good stuff. Yeah, I've never. Uh, that's on my list of shame. Uh, do we have any Criterion's next week? Oh my god, we got we got two. We got a double double uh, header. Double header. Here we go. Jean uh, Renoir got one coming out from 1931. La Chien. I don't know if that's how you say it. Don't it's know. close. French. It's a second sound film. I don't know anything about that one. And then here comes Mr. Jordan from 1941. Directed by Alexander Hall. There you go. Cool. Two oldies. Two oldies. It's an oldies week for Criterion next or this week coming up. Nice. Uh, notice that London Has Fallen and Eddie the Eagle are also coming out. I missed those. On Criterion? <laughs> yeah. Criterion. Damn. Oh shit! <laughs> Their new contemporary section. <laughs> well, hey, you know Armageddon did come out on Criterion, so that's true. That did. Yeah. We gonna do? Uh, all right. Uh, I think that that is it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse, and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson, and we'll see you next week. (laughs) 